MYP fam, what's going on? My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I am your host. And I get way too geeked up about creating amazing podcasts that can fuel your lifestyle and your business. And this show is to help you learn the things that do and do not work when it comes to marketing and monetizing your podcast. And on today's episode, we're talking to Grant Talek. He's the founder of Authentic Marketing, and they specialize in helping you maximize the reach of your podcast by helping you to repurpose content for different social platforms. And I challenged him on this because I'm a lot more bearish about the value of repurposing, meaning I'm not as excited as I was a few years ago, but Grant actually changed my mind, and frankly, I was kind of surprised. So buckle up and get settled in. This is going to be a good one. Here's the interview with Grant Talek of Authentic Marketing. Grant, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Hector. Like I said, I'm stoked. Always an honor. In the intro, we gave him a little bit about what your business does. I'd love for you to fill in the gaps on kind of who you are and how you got here. I know every person, every creator kind of has a story of how they got here. So can you give us the, the 60 second version on how Grant got to this point? Yeah. So I'll try to do it in 60 seconds and I'm already wasting time. But <laughs> me and my business partner, Mitch, we started our agency authentic about three and a half years ago. And for the first year and a half, honestly, we were offering pretty general marketing services. You know, we were kind of a Swiss army knife. We'd go in and say, how can we help you? And whatever it was, we would make it happen and do our best. And when we graduated college, we were actually roommates in college about three years ago. We decided to take the business full time. We were very lucky to be able to do that out of college. It took a lot of scrappiness, but for the first basically eight months, we and really just two months, because we arrived in Boston about three months before COVID. But our strategy for landing clients at that point was just going to networking events, networking events, networking events, like in-person networking events. I'm not sure if you remember what those were like, but there was this one we loved. It was called Venture Cafe in Cambridge. And it was Thursday nights. You'd get three free beers if you would go. And I used to hate networking. Like in college, we'd have networking events and it just felt, it just kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth. And I think that the reason behind that was because I wasn't approaching it correctly. I wasn't approaching networking with a long-term mindset. I was thinking like, what can I get out of this session today? And just had too short-term of a mindset, right? And when I went, started going into networking events and just focused on meeting one person and building one relationship and getting to know them beyond just their professional interests, but also who they were as a person. Most importantly, I started enjoying networking. <laughs> so it's something that we would go to consistently and built some great relationships with that. But I remember we landed this one client for website design like two weeks before the COVID pandemonium really started. And I remember getting an email. I was actually on a ski trip at that point. We got an email and they said, with all this COVID stuff, the uncertainty, like we're just not going to go forward on this project. And it was kind of just like, in one project's not going to destroy your business, but it was kind of a dagger into our heart because we were really excited about it. And it was still kind of early on in the business. And at that point, we realized we're going to have to make some big changes if we're basically going to survive. And to continue my story about networking, we found a way to enjoy it, love it, build long-term relationships. I think that's what all successful businesses are built on. Like, how do we continue building relationships online? And that's really when we started getting into video content and, and LinkedIn and building relationships through LinkedIn, video DMs, and really went in on video specifically on LinkedIn 
really just started out on my walks. Like I would go out on a walk, I'd get some inspiration and make a post. And at first they were kind of general and not really targeted, just focused on getting started essentially. And over time, we just saw this opportunity in podcasting and in social media. We noticed that a lot of people were launching podcasts. The problem was though, they were kind of posting them and they were just getting lost in the dark web. They didn't really have a distribution strategy, a marketing strategy. They maybe were having great conversations with great guests, but they just might not have the time or the expertise to actually get eyeballs on that content. And we saw a great opportunity with the skills we already had, with the network we had built to start helping people that already had a podcast up and running, repurpose their content, create most importantly, consistent content. And that's kind of the foundation of our business today is helping establish podcasters and growing podcasters repurpose their content across social media. So that's the three minute story, I guess, maybe Might four minutes, the but trip, man. kind of the gist. thing is we share so much in common, at least in terms of the business part of it and the things that we saw. And so I think that we were picking up on the same frequencies out there. So it's just cool. And also, I'm a big believer in collaboration over competition. I came from the sales world yep. where it was a very competitive industry and there was some collaboration, but it was very competitive and it just always rubbed me the wrong way. And I think that that's why I really enjoy the creator and more specifically the podcast space, because there is this ethos of collaboration that isn't always a part of all the industries. And so that's why I was excited to have you on. For sure. Some people could look at it and go, you guys do the same thing. And I, and that's exactly why I was so excited to chat with you because normally yeah. I'm the only one that gets as nerdy about what I geek out on. What's interesting that you brought up between your story was that there's this connection between developing relationships and the need to develop relationships in business development and growing a business. But then also, whether it was intuitively or intentionally, you started to leverage content and you started to leverage these other mediums to spark and create those relationships. I actually got one of those videos of you walking on your walks. I still remember it actually. And I think that was one of the reasons awesome. why I always wanted to have you on the show. And it took a while to make this happen, but we did. And, and so those types Amazing. of things work. For you, what is the connection that you see between content and developing that relationship or content and creating that connection between the audience and the creator? Yeah, I think it comes down to the question of like, how do you show your a real human <laughs> and do it in a virtual world? And how do you show that you care, care about your potential customers and also show what you know? There's a few ways to do that. I mean, you can get on the phone and just start calling people and having one-to-one -one conversations and building relationships that way. But it's like being in a hamster wheel and it's really hard to build and people do it successfully. It's going to work for a long time, but we're young. Like we're trying to figure out how do we build something long-term that helps us build a more sustainable business. And that's where content came into play. We knew it's something that if you committed to it in the long run, it really pays off because at the end of the day, like relationships, you don't build them in one night. You know, your best friends don't become your best friends because you met them two days ago. Sometimes it might feel like that, but generally the strongest bonds and relationships are built over time. And if you're going to stay in touch with people keep up to tabs with the businesses they're launching, with their career changes. Social media is an amazing way to do that. And what I've noticed is that a lot of those people that we met two and a half years ago in person, sadly, have lost touch with a lot of them. 
because people move. Maybe you never connected with them on social media or you never had their email address or phone number. You really just had that physical relationship with them, which is great and it has its pros and cons. But when you're networking on social media, you have such a great and you kind of establish a relationship on social media you kind of have a built-in way to follow up with people and keep tabs with what they're up to, keep tabs with what they're doing. And also on the other hand, like show what you're doing and create content that's hopefully helpful to them and do it not just over a few week period, but do it over a one, two, 10 year period. So I think social media presents like an amazing opportunity for us to keep relationships going consistently over time and stay in the back of our heads. And especially for a business like ours, it's consulting and some services, like the vast majority of people aren't ready to buy the first week you talk to them. Like it generally takes three, six, 12 months, sometimes longer in order to build that relationship. So that's what excites me about social media is that there's, if you're intentional about it and you're organized, you can stay in touch with people for so long and build up that trust over time. Yeah. And I think content really gives you leverage in that. And what's interesting is I- was on a call with somebody who listens to the podcast and I had just met this person several minutes ago, but to them, they had spent hours with me. They said that they had gone through almost the whole catalog. And so that's hard to do on a call, right? To develop that kind of relationship would take hours Mm -hmm. and hours. But if you can create this content that does that instead, it's not going to replace it, right? But it does give you a better starting point or it does give you a better foundation to build on. I mentioned Mm -hmm. before we started recording that the title of this episode is Does Repurposing Content Still Work? And I'd love to get into that a little bit because we've talked a lot at the beginning about, hey, how do you do it? What's the method? And what we haven't really gotten to is how has it shifted since over the last little bit, right? I think so many people have popularized the Gary Vee method where it's you take one piece of content and then you turn that one piece of content into 20, 30 pieces of content. And I was a big believer of that. I don't know mm-hmm. that that is necessarily the best. When we used to do is we used to make sure that the podcast was on as many platforms as they could and that we were getting content out on as many different channels as we could. We were taking a very mm-hmm. wide approach. And that's because we were getting traction on a lot of these different platforms. So I'm curious for you over the last little bit, and we talked a little bit about this before we started, but how has the content marketing game shifted? And as opposed to that kind of spray and pray, wide, very wide, omnipresent focus, how have you guys started to adjust to make sure that the content marketing efforts are still getting the same kind of reach and traction that they were a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's like a pretty multifaceted question. And I think I'll start with the part where you're asking, like, does it still work? And honestly, the Gary V method, like you said, like one content, 30 pieces of and turn it into 30 small pieces of content. That is an absolute task. And I think that probably overwhelms a lot of people, but we're more focused on if you have a long form piece of content that's 30 to 60 minutes, probably like what this podcast episode will be like, you at least need to get one or two really good highlights out of that and really good snippets that are gonna be standalone content on social media. I don't think that you need eight or 10 clips from this episode in order for your repurposing to be effective. Like you said, I think that people, and especially like you and I, we see content repurposing all day, every day because we're attuned to it. And it's something that is, I mean, we literally do it as a service and do it for our business. So it's something we're really aware of. And I think we've seen it popping up more consistently. More let, me, consistently let me add something that I'm, I'm realizing here too. Yeah. Because one thing that you're kind of 
talking about and that maybe you've mentioned elsewhere is it's not necessary to get out 10 pieces of content, right? Like at one point we were trying to stretch out nine or 10 pieces of caption clips out of an episode because it was getting the pull on Instagram. And I think what you're bringing to my attention is the need to pull these highlights out of these clips, but then also make sure that they're somewhere that can be enjoyed. And the problem with Instagram, and we've talked a lot about that's actually our most popular episode on this podcast is how to market your podcast on Instagram. It blows away <laughs> every single other episode. And it what's interesting is like, it's not even a very good episode. It's, it's such a bad episode <laughs> when we launched and when we started, but people are interested in it. And my challenge or my problem, what I'm realizing with that is that it's so ephemeral, right? So it's there and then it's gone. It's in your feed for a few hours for a day or two, and then it's gone. And what you're talking about is the need for people to be able to enjoy that podcast outside of that podcast. Yeah. What I wanted to kind of wrap up there was that the quantity of content that you're repurposing from each episode isn't as important as the consistency of how long you're doing it. Or the quality. I think that's the next thing, right? Is the quality, right? I think that one really quality repurposed clip from a podcast is better than four not so great pieces of content from a podcast. Big part of it just comes out of like respect to your audience. Like Give them something good. And I think this is something that we've had to learn throughout our time too. We've had clients actually challenge this to us. So like, is more actually better? And we really had to think a lot about that. And I think what we've come to realize now is that more is not better. Consistency is better. So like, I think what's really important for whether you're doing blog writing or whether you're in podcasting or you're creating YouTube content. You need to find a frequency for you that is sustainable for you so that your head doesn't blow off and you can do it and still enjoy your life, right? That's really important. And number two, it's quality for your guests. It's fun to listen to. And that's what it comes down to. How much content can you create consistently and keep it quality? So for some people, that might just be one clip from each episode. And for some people, that might be three, four, five. I wanted to step back here real quick though. Because I think if we want to talk about like repurposing from like the highest level, what re- how repurposing is effective in like other other places in our life. So if you think about the way we consume media for a long time now, like 80, 100 years, if you think about sports and you think about ESPN, Sports Center. So obviously baseball is a sport that's wildly popular in America, but the games last three hours long. And the vast majority, and there's also like 162 games, right? The vast majority of the way people are consuming that sports content is they go to Sports Center the next morning and they watch the highlight. It's maybe three or five minutes, and maybe there's like a Sports Center top 10 thrown in there. And that's a strategy that sports has been employing for so long. The thing is that, like, for the diehard fans of those sports teams, they're going to watch the long form content. They're going to watch the games, right? And that's where like, that's where the real value is. I think that's where you get the jersey sales and that's where you get Well, the, I don't think either, the, the either sponsorships. is discounted, right? What you're bringing up to me is a brilliant point. What you're making me realize is that there's no one that's better than the other, right? It used to be like, oh, the highlights were kind of a secondary thought, right? They were, but what they're doing is they're actually appealing to somebody else. You're actually drawing in a different listener. You're actually drawing in somebody else by creating that, that you'd miss out on by just having the full game. And they remind you why you love the sport so much too. I wanted to make another analogy too, with like the state of the union address. I think that was like two nights ago from this recording. That was, I think it's like an hour long show. I don't know what to call it. The state of the union, right? I think that's probably a good thing to listen to in its entirety. If you're an American citizen or you're really interested in American politics, 
But again, the vast majority of people are going to go to their news of choice the next day and they're going to watch the highlights. And that's the way the majority of people consume so much of the long form content that's been put out for hundreds of years now, right? I have a small tactical question here. Yeah. Would you think that creating that repurposed content, do you create it in your head? Is that for a different listener? I've always thought about creating that repurposed content for the same listener to attract the same listener. But do you actually think that that repurposed content, the shorter clips should actually be created for somebody else? It could be like there are people, if you're trying to build your brand, your business, and you're using podcasting as your marketing engine, you're repurposing clips. There might be some people that are only consuming your content on Instagram and that's enough for them. Like they get a ton of satisfaction out of that. And that's someone like me. I remember my grandma, she used to love the Colorado Rockies. She'd watch the full game. I didn't care to watch that, but I would love Sports Center. And honestly, I don't think she would watch Sports Center. So I think it comes down to, and to answer your question, yes, like you could have people be getting the benefits and teaching people, educating people about your brand consistently over time, and they've never watched your full length episode. That's the goal. I think that's how you build the deepest relationships. But that's why there's like, I think you should really focus on when you're repurposing. There's kind of two um, morals that we have. Number one is never take something out of context. This is the problem with like modern day news and politics is they might be repurposing that content, the State of the Union address on their news channel the next day, but they take it and they mold it to their bias and they're going to take clips out that fit their bias. And I think that is something as a podcaster, out of respect to your guests and out of respect to your listeners, when you're repurposing content, you have to make sure that you're not distorting what was intended by your guest or yourself in that content. And then second is that clip should actually be like a standalone piece of content. Like someone could watch a 30 second video and by the end of the video, they're like, wow, I actually got something out of that. Like I actually learned something or it made me laugh. Just posting something for the sole sake of teasing people to get to your long form content or that's not a complete thought. And I think that can be done artfully. I think you're selling people short from what's possible. So I think it's really important to, like I said, always never distort the initial message with your repurposing. And then try to get a complete thought in there, complete story, and think of that content as something that can live on its own and not be reliant on on the podcast, the long form content itself. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that we had this conversation because I've been pushing back on the value of repurposing content for podcasting, but it really is that we were just putting it in the wrong place. We were just putting it in places that weren't giving <laughs> organic reach. Specifically, we were focusing a lot of attention on Instagram, which two, two, three years ago, what was really the place to be, and also on LinkedIn. But in any case, you've mentioned to me before we started recording that you focus on some different places. So where are your favorite places to make sure that they're getting this repurposed content up? Yeah, so I'll mention that my newest favorite one, which isn't new at all, is YouTube. And I think a lot of podcasters are getting into podcasting because they wanna build freedom in their lives and build a sustainable business. And the problem with a lot of social media content, like for instance, on Twitter, or on TikTok is it only lasts so long and only gives results for maybe 30 minutes, 24 hours. Whereas if you can have a piece of content that is on YouTube and is something that's really relevant, that can drive views for ever six months, one year, two years, right? And this is the thing with YouTube is YouTube is people use YouTube like they use Google. They have a specific problem. They go to YouTube to try and solve it. 
And if you're the top three, four pieces of content that are there to help them, then you've got a leg up. And that's the type of content that could really drive results for the long term. So I think people should definitely be thinking in, in what I'm kind of talking about is what this would look like is you have a one hour long episode, but we're talking about maybe 10, 12 topics during this one episode. If you can take a four to seven minute clip from that, create a really aesthetic and descriptive YouTube thumbnail, add a description, add a title, you've got something there. You've got some content that could stand alone. So I think people should definitely be thinking about how can you repurpose content that's going to actually stand alone and last longer than just a day or a week like it might on LinkedIn or, or on Twitter. And then second too, is that if you're to say that there's one platform that you just have to be on right now, I just don't think that's a good way to look at it. Like there's always going to be emerging platforms that are moving and changing and you just got to experiment with them, honestly. Like right now, a few that come to mind are TikTok. And I, I still think LinkedIn has a lot of potential similar to that. At the end of the day though, the like if MySpace was social media 1.0, I think we're on social media 2.0 right now. And social media 3.0, 4.0, 5.0 is like going to come really fast. So the most important thing though is that you're just, if you're consistently creating good content and you're having a fun time doing it and you can do it consistently, you can always adapt to the platforms that are coming out. So it's your responsibility to stay at least a little bit ahead and dabble with some new platforms that are coming up. So yeah, I can't say that there's any one platform or one strategy that's going to work forever. Well, it's good that you bring up YouTube but, because a lot yeah. of people don't think of YouTube as a social platform and they are doing a lot more things totally. to be more social. But for some reason, it just gets missed. I saw this stat from Pod News. I wish I could bring it up. But basically what it said was that YouTube and TikTok were undervalued by the vast majority of podcasters and Twitter and Instagram were overvalued, meaning that most of the shows had an Instagram and Twitter, but weren't getting very much traction there. While most of the shows also did not have a TikTok and YouTube, while those were actually the channels creating the most traction, ironically. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Why do we do that? Do we just do what's most comfortable to us? Or are we actually thinking critically about what's best? I mean, I think it comes down to how you're trying to scale your podcast too. And say like, how many listeners are you trying to get? A lot of people can create a successful, sustainable podcast and maybe only have 250 of listeners that are consistent, but it's only because they're the right listeners that are in your target market that you're directly trying to sell to. Other podcasts are gonna need to monetize with 10,000, 100,000 listeners, right? So I think you can kind of have like two different approaches with podcasting and with content creation in general is like, are you going after the more, and you talked about this a little bit with audience building and community building, but are you going after like the networking approach where you're really just focused on building one-to-one -one personal relationships with your audience? Maybe that's 100, 200, 500 people. Or are you trying to go after a huge audience that maybe they all know you really well, but you don't know them so well, right? And this is going to work for different types of businesses. But at the end of the day, like you got to think about quality versus quantity and just meeting the right audience. So with that being said, like platforms like LinkedIn, great for networking, for building one-to-one. -one. As far as how the platform is situated, I think if you use the right tools, I think I sent you a video DM on either LinkedIn or on Twitter, which was one of the ways that we kicked off a relationship. Right now, you can't send DMs like that on YouTube. You can't send video DMs like that on TikTok. TikTok and YouTube are kind of more like broadcast platforms where you're just getting your message out there. 
versus platforms like Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. They really have like a social networking, one-to-one person relationship building component to them where you can really help build that one-to-one relationship with your audience. So I think it's important to think about that too, is like, are you focused on networking and really meeting your audience or do you just need a place to get as many freaking eyeballs on your content as possible? Yeah, and are you doing the um, right I think a lot of people- on right on the right platform, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the question to ask is where is your audience hanging out? Where are they spending their time? I think that's a good way to, to look at it. Yeah, I've realized that the we liked Instagram because what's interesting, minus the algorithmic part and the lack of organic reach, it was a place where a brand or a show could broadcast and also engage. You could yeah, post like a lot that. of content, but then you could also send a DM and that messaging. So that's why we liked it because our secret sauce is we would post content and then we would follow up and message, individually message all the people that would interact with it. So it kind of had that one-two punch. The organic reach went away. And so the power of that, gotcha. that process went away. But what I'm realizing is that we haven't replicated that same kind of process to its fullest extent on the other platforms that do allow that, whether it be TikTok and YouTube and the distribution-wise and LinkedIn and Twitter, we are doing that. We do a lot of interaction and engagement there. So just great points here. Grant, if someone is like, now they're like, okay, you know what? I'm resold on this. I'm going to get going again. Like, you're right. What do I do? What do I need? What do I need to have set up, lined up? What are my boxes that I need to check? You mentioned consistency. So what are the things that I should be looking to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, however recurring basis to make sure that this engine starts going? Yeah, good question. Repurposing is something that people are saying all the time, oh, it's so easy. You just take one piece of content and you turn it into 30. But just because it's easy doesn't mean it's simple. Even the simplest things, or no, the the other way around, even the easiest things aren't simple sometimes. Like we all want to get a a six pack, but all you have to do is do 50 crunches a day, but who actually does that? Not me. So you got to realize that, that it's not going to be easy, first of all. But there's some things you can do to make it easier on yourself. So one of those is like reverse engineering your long form content with the intention of repurposing it. And one of my favorite ways of doing this is at the end of your episode, you could have an anchor question. And this is something that one of our clients who's been with us from the very beginning, startup hype man, Rajiv Nathan, he has a podcast. And at the end of every show, he says, entrepreneurship is blank. And that's a great opportunity for you to simplify your repurposing. You can take that question. You can take the answer that your guests replied to it. You can create a standalone piece of content from it. And if you pair that with a tool like Descript, which is, in my opinion, one of the coolest up and coming tools for not only just podcasters, but also video content creators as well. It's a text-based editor, which means if you're to upload your show, you could go in and search entrepreneurship is... And it's going to take you to that part of the conversation where that's being said. You can just take that clip out and create a standalone piece of content from it. That's a really simple workflow that you can do. The biggest thing is, like I said, if you re-engineer your long form content to like, how can I get maybe one or two pieces of standalone content from it as well? It doesn't require my team or myself to have too much of a workload in order to find that clip. Because what we've found is that the hardest part about repurposing is How do you select good clips? And like I said, if you have an anchor question, that's a really streamlined way, streamlined way to do it. And then the next is like you kind of mentioned, don't burn out, like easier said than done. (laughs) You got to figure out how not to burn out. And I think that's for you, that's anyone that comes down to just finding a cadence of posting once a week, twice a week, five times a week that, that works for you. 
but that you can do for a year, two years, five years. That's really important. I really don't like the question. People ask, so what's the best frequency? How often do you need to post on social media a day or a week to be successful? And honestly, it's got to be an introspective question there. It's The question is, how often can you post consistently over a long period of time while not burning out and also enjoying it? So that's kind of a long winded way to say it, but don't get too caught up in those those like tips and tactics, like focus on what you can handle first and foremost. That's what matters most. So those are the two things I'll give there, I think. Great. This is so selfishly valuable. And where can people stay connected, follow up with you? Yeah. So personally, if you follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Grant Talek, you'll be able to find me there. You can find our website at authenticmarketing.com. And that's authentic, not with a C, but with a Q. We're also on YouTube. If you wanted to like steal our ideas, you wanted to learn about repurposing. If you wanted to start a competing agency to ours, or, or you're just a podcaster looking to kind of like steal our process. If you went to our YouTube, you could do that. That's our whole goal there is to just teach people how we do what we do and, and give as much value there. So definitely recommend giving us a subscription there on YouTube. That'd be much appreciated and would encourage us to keep spilling the beans about what we know and how we do it. So thanks, dude. I'm excited to stay connected and I will not start a competing agency. Well, the invite's there. The invite's there. Uh, guys, the invite thank you there. guys for being part of the MYP fam and we'll see you guys on the next one.